You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jimmy Stein on the Locked On Bama podcast. Whew, football season. It's really here. Uh, as I record, I'm recording this on football eve, which means it's uh, Wednesday night and tomorrow the Steelers play the Cowboys in the Hall of Fame game. As you guys are listening to this, that game was probably a couple days ago. But, uh, you know, maybe camp has even started. So hopefully for these last few guys, because we started at 99, we're not going to quit now. For these last few guys, hopefully nothing happens in camp to uh, change my opinion about each one of these guys that I've talked about on the roster all the way down to number nine, where we start today. We did Bryce Young last time, now the other number nine, who's sort of the Bryce Young of the defense. I think Jordan Battle, who's number nine, playing safety, returning to some extent is for his third year as a starter. His first year as a true freshman, he was the sixth DB, sort of like what Brian Branch was doing a year ago. Uh, so he was a starter in the in the dime package, and uh, then last year he became a starter in all the packages. Jordan Battle rarely left the field a starter in regular nickel and dime, uh, and sort of learned a lot of traffic cop duties. Uh, man, what a mature kid who quickly caught on to things. I, I cannot stress to you guys enough how impressive it is when we have young defenders that understand Saban's defense quickly. There's not a lot of those guys. Uh, not everybody does. It's not even close to everybody. Uh, even though we're recruiting the best players in the country that we recruit specifically to be a part of this defense, just a small handful each year uh, really understand things quickly. And Jordan Battle understood as quickly as anyone in that sense. I, I would compare this kid mentally uh, to Minka Fitzpatrick. Now, the physical is totally different. But but mentally, what I'm saying is this kid's Minka. He 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 kept caught on to things fast. He was a leader quickly. Uh, he will be one of the better traffic cops at safety in the league uh, this year and just year three. Um, just mentally ahead of everyone else. And great kid. We'll talk about the physical stuff in a second. But great kid. Great interview. He's funny. Um, really likable. One of the better personalities uh, on the team, uh, real bright, and uh, he's got a heck of a future inside football or out, uh, and is one of my favorites on the team. Uh, I, I think one of the reasons he has such great intangibles is so many of these kids that play at these big programs. We say Bryce played at Modern Day, and Jordan played at St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. These are two of the best football programs in the United States. And, and, and high school football, and you learn to be a college football player when you start at those programs. But nothing, nothing better prepares you. I mean, it's almost like uh, those, uh, those, those, you know, New England uh, prep schools where kids go to high school, and in the ninth grade they're taking, you know, pre med and stuff. I mean, are those kids prepared to go to college? Yeah, well, well, well <laughs> modern day and St. Thomas Aquinas are kind of the football equivalent of that. I mean, IMG. I mean, it, it just prepares you to play college football. These kids show up uh, ready. Not all of them, but a lot of them, and Jordan did. Uh, physically, a uh, physical player, 
good tackler, instinctive. Um, you know, he's not the fastest guy. I think in in the in the end, that's going to affect his upside. It's going to affect where he ends up in terms of what the NFL thinks of him. Um, I could be wrong, but, but I mean, in terms of what I see when I see Alabama play, I, I don't see a four four guy there at all. I think he's more of a, of a mid four six guy, or even higher. Uh, but is still able to be in the correct position at the right time because he's so damn instinctive. I mean, he knows where the ball is going to be. I, I tell people this all the time. I use this example, but now I've gotten so old. So many of you listen to the podcast. I might as well be talking about Abraham Lincoln or George Washington, but I use this example, and I need to change it. But when I was growing up, maybe the best defensive shortstop in, in the American League was Cal Ripken Jr., who was one of the first shortstops who were power hitters. Cal was big white guy and big. He was big. He hit like, you know, 30 home runs in a year, which was a lot back then. And uh, and he was like the 6'4 shortstop. And and, and he, he like won gold gloves. I'm not sure he won how many gold gloves he won, uh, but he was a really good defensive player in a league full of shortstops from Latin America who were 5'10 and so quick that when they turn out the lights, they get in the bed before the room gets dark. And you're like, how can Cal Ripken play the same position and be as effective as these guys who are just clearly superior athletes and quicker than this big six foot four guy is? And here's the answer Cal Ripken was so instinctive as a baseball player that before the ball would hit the bat, Cal would start moving to where the ball was going to be. I mean, he anticipated where the ball was going to be. And because he's able to do this, it made up for the fact that he wasn't as quick as some of the shortstops uh, that were smaller, quicker guys. And that's Jordan Battle. He, he, is, uh, he, he anticipates, he understands football, and he sort of knows where that ball's going, and he can start moving there before other dudes begin moving there. Now, other dudes might out-quick him, but, but Jordan's already there, and that's why he's a good player. But it's also why he might get dinged in the draft process and all-stars and awards like that because it's not always going to be the prettiest thing. I mean, it's not always going to be flashy. You know, flashy is not the way I've described Jordan. I, I describe him as solid, dependable, smart uh, leader. Uh, flashy, fast, playmaker. Uh, I, I'm not sure that that describes him. So... Sometimes I see some online criticism here and there because, you know, we've had some first-round guys like, or, or certainly all-stars like Landon Collins, HaHa, Clinton Dix, Mark Barron. Uh, I don't think that's fair to Jordan to say, oh, he's not good because he, he might not be athletically what those guys were. But, uh, but hey, let me tell you out of 130 Division I programs who, who wants Jordan Battle to be a starting safety for them, that answer is easy, 130. 130 teams would take Jordan Battle tomorrow, uh, and he would start for all 130, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, LSU, all of them. I mean, he's, he's a really good college football player. We're lucky to have him. We need that leadership, and I cannot tell you how important it is for a safety on the back end to be able to smartly line up his defensive back mates. Think of this. We might start a true freshman opposite Josh Job at cornerback and Kool-Aid McKinstry, 
Do you think Kool-Aid's going to know what to do on 100% of play calls? No. Who's going to fix it? Jordan. So it's just invaluable, you know, to the other guys in the lineup. So appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back with more. Thanks for listening to Locked on Bama. Jimmy Stein, I'm back on the Locked on Bama podcast with my co-host Luke Robinson, but I'm just going to do this segment alone, just like you sometimes hear Luke alone. Sometimes we we do it solo with our incredibly busy lives as A-list celebrities. All right, we're down to eight. Boy, what a hell of a number here. We got two hellacious eights. We, I just did uh, Jordan Battle number nine, so so let's let's do offense first. Let's go number eight on offense. John Mechie the third. What an intriguing, interesting dude. Uh, great player. Here's my main thing I want to talk about with Mechie. He's going to be wide receiver one, which is you know modern parlance for you know he's our go-to receiver, the receiver that's going to likely lead the team in catches and yards and. You know, when we need a play or we make big plays in the passing game, we're going to look to Mechie first. And, you know, I read some things because I read it all out there on the social medias and the message boards. And every now and then you'll, you'll, you'll see someone lament that, you know, we're going to take a big step back at wide receiver because Mechie's not really a wide receiver one. He really is a two or a three, and, and we're going to suck because we don't have a real one. That is... The, the type of spoiled that, that Nick Saban and this era has done to us, uh, we're really going to pay for this when Saban eventually, uh, when the cyborg battery pack runs out and, and, <laughs> and he's no longer the coach and we have, you know, like a normal human being coaching the team, um, then we're really going to find out how spoiled we were. But when I read that, you know, Mechie's not a wide receiver one, that he's a two or a three uh, it, that that's just the product of of being spoiled. L- let me tell you, the list now, I, now. First of all, I agree. Is John Mechie the equivalent of Jerry Judy? No, no. Is he Jalen Waddle? No. Is he Devonte Smith? No, no. He's probably not even Rugs. But that's okay. You know, you all four. What was the lowest any of those guys were picked? Like Judy at like sixteen was the lowest any of those guys were picked in the NFL draft. And and you think that you must have a wide receiver good enough to go in the top 15 of the NFL draft or he's not good enough to be a wide receiver one? That that's so dumb. It doesn't it doesn't make any mathematical sense whatsoever. But again, I agree with the notion that so far from what we've seen out of John Mechie, I'm not sure it's fair to say he's as good as those guys. That has nothing to do with the fact is, is he good enough to be the best receiver on a championship team? And that answer is hell yes. I mean, oh yeah, Mechie is a good player. If I mean, I'm no Todd McShay, but if we're going to sit here and talk about who the very best wide receivers in college football are this upcoming fall, I agree. I'm not going to have Mechie one or two or three or even four. I'm sure I'm going to have him in the top 10. And if you're one of the top 10 receivers, I mean, there's 260 or more starting receivers that play college football. And Mechie's certainly in the top 10. I'll grant you even a couple of guys in the SEC are really good. Burks, Traylon Burks at Arkansas is fantastic. The NFL is just going to love that guy. He checks every box. He just, 
you know, isn't going to put up great numbers at Arkansas, but that, that guy's a dude. I think Kayshawn Butte at, at LSU is really, really good. Georgia's got a fleet of them. If Pickens is not suspended, he's good. You know, at Georgia, he's a really good player. Um, I think that's about it as far as, you know, guys in the SEC that I think are, are better than Mechie or Mechie's equal. Uh, Mechie's a damn good player. And, and then on top of it, what's fun is I'm just sitting here, you know, ripping on George Pickens a little bit, who we all know has been, been some trouble off the field and, and on the field. But uh, Mechie is such a great dude. I mean, he's lived in Taiwan. He's lived in Ghana. He's lived in Canada. He moved to the U.S. so he could focus on learning and playing football. Uh, he's smart. He's engaging. Uh, he's interesting. And then on top of it, he's really good on the field. Uh, and wasn't even a big-time recruit. This is not the Saban five-star. We're saying, well, he's not Judy. He's not, he's not Waddle. Yeah, those kids were like five-stars with 300 offers. I mean, Mechie... I'm not even sure he was a four-star. I guess in recollection, he might have been a four-star. And I think he was going to Penn State, if not Alabama. But John Mechie, in the Nick Saban sense, was not a highly recruited guy. Not nearly as highly recruited as those four guys we were just talking about. So it's amazing that through hard work and commitment and intelligence uh, and patience, you know, that Mechie's gotten here. So he should be the easiest guy to root for on the team. And uh, not everybody knows this. Here's a little scoop. If, if you don't know this, I think everybody does by now. But, you know, Mechie was banged up the second half of, of last season. The Mechie we saw early in the year was the real Mechie. The Mechie that was playing down the stretch, you know, was hurt. And uh, I believe he even had surgery. As soon as the season was over, right, you didn't see him in the spring because he's recovering from a surgery, right? Well, that happened during the season, not after. So, so that was a banged-up Mechie. Do you remember what Mechie looked like early in the year in Game 2 against Texas A&M? That's the real John Mechie. What about against Georgia in, like, that fourth or fifth game? Mechie had a big big game against Georgia, too. So what a real good player. What a great story. One of the easiest guys to root for on the team. And he's my wide receiver one. Uh, I, I think he's going to be good, uh, assuming he stays healthy. Um, I would look for a big season. I don't want to say a thousand yards. It's just not fair to, to to lay that sort of expectations on a guy, particularly when you follow a Devontae Smith. But uh, how about this? How about eight hundred yards? I'd be willing to say, hey, this is this is an eight hundred yard guy in this in this league, and uh, and that's playing against the best defensive backs in the world, uh, second only to the ones that play in the NFL. So, thanks for listening to Locked On Bama. Jimmy Stein of the Locked On Bama podcast. We just did eight John Mechie. There's an eight on defense to Christian Harris. So we had some good eights. Christian is really, really good. Uh, this is his true junior season. His third year as a starter, for those that don't recall. Two years ago, we had major injury situation at inside linebacker. Christian Harris forced to start as a true freshman because two guys ahead of him Older guys that were projected starters were hurt and lost for the season. And game one, Christian Harris was out there as a true freshman. And what made that even more impressive was in high school, Christian Harris was really a defensive back. This dude played cornerback in the ninth and 10th grade in high school in Baton Rouge, then grew to be a safety that they kind of moved all over the field. 
But Christian Harris grew to 235 pounds and became a linebacker. But really, the first game he ever started and played beginning to end as a linebacker for 60 minutes was at Alabama as a true freshman. So, you know, there was some criticism, you know, two years ago when he was a freshman because obviously, obviously he was thrown into the deep end of the pool. But one thing I said about that season, and, and of course now we're talking about, you know, 2019, uh, one thing I said about that, that season is when I went back when the year was over and rewatched all the games, one guarantee was every single game, Christian Harris did something that made you go, wow. And yeah, there were some busts, and yeah, there were some not great plays. Again, this kid was thrown into the deep end of the pool. But every game, there was one or two things where you went like, wow, Christian Harris is going to be a dude. So then last year, he enters the season as a seasoned starter and played all year next to Dylan Moses, uh, and, and, and he was clearly much better, much more comfortable, very physical. One of our better players on defense all year, really, as a true sophomore. And now enters his junior year, no, no longer young, no longer talking about how he's new to playing linebacker, no longer talking about how he was thrown in the deep end. Now he's a leader. He's one of our alpha dogs. He is one of the very best players we have on defense. And he is even being discussed as a potential first pick, first round pick in the NFL draft next April. Uh, off the field, Christian is a smart kid. Uh, it's one of the reasons he picked up on things so quickly. Uh, he's one of the leaders on the team. I think at every single leadership function that we will have this season, Christian Harris will be a part of it. And I think one of the things that's really going to benefit him is Henry Toho Toho showing up from uh, Tennessee. I think with Henry showing up and taking over the mic spot, which allows Christian to stay in the middle of the defense, but now no longer have those play calling responsibilities. Henry's going to do that. It's going to make Christian even better. Last year, Christian alongside Dylan had to participate in the line calls. The year before, him and Shane Lee had to figure it out. This year, that stuff is off. We have our best line caller we've had in years showing up to play, and he will make those calls and take that mental load off of Christian that just completely frees Christian up to make plays. And Christian knows, you know, Christian's actually in a position mentally to know it better than he's ever known it before. If Christian was the one making the line calls, I'd feel pretty good about things. But he doesn't even have to do that. I'm telling you guys, one of the reasons our defense is going to be improved this year, this is one of the reasons, it's one of the secrets we'll have here at Locked on Bama while everybody else is talking about, oh, we're better because of this, this, or that. Here's, here's the reason we're better. We have an excellent traffic cop at safety in Jordan Battle and an excellent line caller at Mike and Henry Toho Toho. So our athletes that are lined up in the right spots as a result of that are free to just use their athleticism to go out there and make a play. And you're going to see the best Christian Harris you've seen. And uh, this dude is an athlete now. He's going to do well in the testing. Uh, I, I think he's a better NFL prospect than you guys might think. He's physical. He can run. He can play in space. He can cover. I mean, he, this is a good player, and uh, he's going to be even better this season and, uh, and, and is one of our leaders, and I'm real excited about 
what we'll see from Christian Harris in uh, in 2021. You know, will he go pro after this season? Uh, obviously, some of that's going to depend on projection. I think the the name, image, and likeness, a, a lot more kids will stay. You know, I, I think we, we're having, what, 100 kids a year leave early and only about 40 of them get drafted. I bet because of NIL, that number, instead of 100 going pro early, as we sit here right now, I'd tell you that that number's going to be reduced. Not drastically, but it's going to be reduced. I bet now... 60 come out, not 100, 60, 65, and, and, and the ones coming out are making pretty good decisions. You know, the, 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 I think the era of, hey, I know I'm not projected to go very high on this draft, but I've got to come out even if I just make the practice squad because my family needs the money. I think that era may be over, and those kids will be staying in school uh, because they will make enough money playing college football to where they don't have to make reckless decisions like we saw so many before. But so Christian can stay and continue to develop. I, you know, I this is my thinking. I have smart friends, very smart football friends that disagree with me all the time. These are smart football guys too <laughs> that disagree with me all the time about these decisions. But I am old school with it. Me and Nick Saban are the same. I am old school at this, and this is my thinking if you're a football player. If you are going to go in the first round of the draft, then leave. I don't care what the situation is with, with hey, you could come back and work your way into the top 10 or number one. Screw that. If you're, if you're a first-round pick, then you need to leave because there's just too much money, too much guaranteed money out there. If you are a day-two pick and you feel – real comfortable. Hey, if I come out, I'm going in round two or round three. That's not guaranteed money. I'm on board with that with some kids, the kids that are mature, the kids that are ready to be pro football players. And I'm talking about the mental end of it more than the physical end. The kids that are ready to be adult professionals and you're a day two pick, I'm okay with that. For all other kids, stay in school. Why? Because you can graduate and get a college degree that's going to be worth a lot to you over your lifetime. And secondly, you might move up. Things might work out. You might get faster, bigger, stronger, better, develop a new skill, learn something you didn't know the year before, impress scouts a little more than you did the year before. Every reason to stay in school instead of just coming out recklessly. So I'm kind of old school. I'm sort of like Nick. I mean, if you're not a first-round pick, you probably ought to stay. There are exceptions to that for, for certain day two picks, but uh, I, I digress. We're talking about Christian. <laughs> I think Christian may be. He could have the kind of year that makes him a universal first-round projection. Now, at inside linebacker, uh, for those of you guys that know the draft really well, inside linebacker is not a high-value spot. Every year, there's not a lot of inside linebackers that go in the first round. Uh, you got to be kind of one of those top two or three guys period, or you ain't going in the first round. So I think uh, it's very possible this could be Christian's last year, but uh, but I don't rule out him uh, him returning, and uh, this dude will flat out be hell in his senior season.